everyone, welcome to the final SBK podcast of 2022. A very Merry Christmas to everyone. We're in that very strange middle period and uh, we have been enjoying some exceptional festive racing. And the last time I spoke to Ross Miller and Tom Collins, we were looking forward to a very profitable Christmas we were hoping for as well. And I hope that um, everyone was listening because not only did Ross Miller deliver like the postman, I think he more delivered like Santa Claus, I hope did for his kids and for TC's little one as well, because a winning nap in the shape of Accidental Legend at 72, Frodon was placed at 20 to one in the King George and that big anti-post bet on the big dog, he did place at 16 to one. He was a much shorter on the day, but all in all, a good day for Ross TC, his Brave Man's Game anti-post uh, selection for the King George came in and his nap while sporting might was incredibly unlucky at Weatherby, one to follow through. So all in all, a Christmas to savour. Um, Ross, I'll start with you first because I know that you are, you love Boxing Day. That is your day. That is your Christmas day. So I'm sure that you were pretty happy with what you saw. Really happy with what I saw. And, and you know, as we mentioned before, uh, Christmas. The fact we had that freeze meant there was plenty of big fields, plenty of good action. Um, and I think wherever you were watching, whether it was Weatherby, whether it was Kempton, uh, whether it was Exeter, there was really, really good racing. Um, I enjoyed it. Um, bit of Lego building uh, in between races. Not there's an awful lot of time on on Boxing Day when you're hopping from channel to channel. Um, but yeah, re- really enjoyed um, uh, the, the racing. Thought. The, the King George was a, was a really fascinating race, um, mm. and uh, and it goes again now this weekend into New Year. Yeah, well, we'll get to New Year's Day, which is like a second Boxing Day with the amount of racing we've got. But let's quickly just have a look back and think back to the, that King George because it was fascinating viewing. There was so so much to take out for, take out of it. Obviously, Brave Man's Game, the winner, but that didn't say tell the story of the race. Um, for me, Lehon Presse was, I, I still believe, might be the best horse in that race to go forward for, from a Gold Cup perspective. But a lot, Ross, was, te- was spoken about the ride that Harry Cobden gave um, Brave Man's Game to win. Um, it was, do you... Do you pick holes in his ride or do you feel like he was left in a quite an uncompromising position with Lompresse jumping out and annoying him throughout the most of the race? Um, well, there's no such thing as a bad winning ride. Let's get that right. Um, and when it mattered, he he delivered up the home straight. I put on my social media that I can't remember seeing what I thought was a poorer grade one winning ride. And I worded it very carefully. I didn't say it was a stinking ride. I didn't think it was a a good grade one winning ride. Um, a few people, trainers, other people uh, thought I was talking nonsense. Um, yeah, he did get compromised constantly by being out to the left-hand side of, of L'Ompresse. You simply ask, why line up outside L'Ompresse? I mean, I think anyone that mm. watches racing knows that there was a very good chance L'Ompresse was going to jump out to his left. Maybe they walked the track and thought the ground was better, better down the middle. I'm not sure that the racing particularly uh, proved that to be so and I think it's one of those ones he got away with it I think if um, he hadn't won my social media would have been full of people jumping on saying what a horrific ride Harry Cobden's given uh, Brave Man's Game but he won he got the job done he, it showed the Brave Man's mm-hmm. Game was by some distance the best horse on the day for that test um, because he definitely lost lengths throughout the race um, but no, I didn't think it was Harry Cobden's finest moment. But I suppose the mark of a good jockey is he didn't panic when he was out there, um, let the cards fall his way and, and got the job done up the home straight. 
What do you think as a Gold Cup prospect? They uh, they clearly are going to go straight there. Um, they think that keeping him fresh is really important as well. Do you think he's the Gold Cup horse that you take from the race? Uh, no, but I've got this horse wrong all the way along. I mean, let's not hide away from that. You have opinions, and my opinion on Brave Man's game has been wrong at every point. He definitely stays three miles. I don't think he'll stay three and a quarter, but, you know, um, I've been wrong so far. I'm just not sure that's his track. I'm not sure they think it's his track either. Still can't mm. quite get over. They pulled him out last year. Um, and I'm not convinced you'll go for the Gold Cup. Alaho at the start of the year, like the penalty kick for the Ryanair. We haven't seen him yet. It's not an awful lot of strong words coming out that he's he's going to get there. I would, if I had to have an anti-post bet on Brave Man's game, I'd have it on him for the Ryanair because I think that's where he'll end up. Yeah, I think they're just trying to give him all the best opportunities to be the, the in, in the best shape that he can be for the race, hence why they're not uh, running him again. Um, and that will mean he'll come into the race with just two runs under his belt this season, which has been widely slated in the past that we don't get to see these horses enough throughout the course of the season. But, you know, Paul Nichols has done it before um, and he feels like this is the best way to get him to to become a Gold Cup horse, TC. Do you think, you know, you put him up as the as a, your King George selection a long time ago, but I think you, you said that, that this was his Gold Cup. That was his always going to be his race. Do you think that they feel like they have to take their chances now for the big one? Um, but... Do you see him being found out, especially with that that slightly extra trip on such a on a such a tough undulating track? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything both you just said and Ross said there. Um, I don't think the ride was spectacular. I thought it should have been inside Lompresse, and even if the ground is slightly better on the outside, you're not going to lose much by stepping one path uh, to your right rather than one path to your left. Um, and Brave Man's game would have won a lot easier if that was the case. Um, look, I think he's got the talent to be in in the Gold Cup. I think he should go there. I'm just going to actually relate this back to US racing, if I uh, if I may. Um, like life is good in the Breeders' Cup Classic. If you have a horse with such talent, you have to go for the biggest race. He could have run in any other race that, that he could have run in the Dirt Mile and he'd have won. But he had to take on Flightline because he is a horse of proper talent. And this is kind of the case with Brave Man's game. You don't want to give give up an opportunity of running in the biggest race at the festival, potentially the biggest race of the year over jumps, Grand National fans might disagree. Um, so I think Paul Nichols will send him there. I don't think the topography of Cheltenham will suit, much like Ross said. I don't think he'll necessarily stay the three and a quarter miles overly well. And actually, mm-hmm. I'd have him below the likes of Galapande Champ and L'Ompresse, um come Cheltenham. Uh, but at the same time, I think this was the race of Brave Man's game. This was when we were going to see Brave Man's game at 100%. And he actually really impressed me with the way he found plenty in the home straight after suffering uh, so much inconvenience through the race. Not only does that force Harry Cobden to go slightly to the left every time that Lompresse was going left, but it puts him the horse off his rhythm. It loses momentum. And actually going into the fence, when Lompresse is starting to drift to his left, Brave Man's game has to like shorten up. You can't find that long stride that he did in the Charlie Hall. So plenty went against him and he actually really impressed me with his finishing effort. But at the same time, he's not necessarily at the top of my shortlist for Cheltenham. Okay, right. Interesting that there was so much to take out from our Christmas period. Um, We all... um have had a, a real look at the, the National Hunt horses from our, our previous podcasts, our National Hunt um, guides, essentially. Um, 
there we could be here all day picking apart what we saw but there were probably a lot of horses even even beaten horses that might be worth just uh just pinpointing for the future before we go into our reviews um for before we go into our previews for the upcoming racing and just wanted to quickly touch on one of them that might be uh, a standout that you want to mention before we move on ross um we imagine that uh, dysart dynamo was exactly what you're expecting to see over in Ireland. But was there anything else that you want to mention that you just really caught your eye over the last few days? Yeah, Dysart Dynamo was what I was hoping I'd see. I certainly wasn't expecting it. And I was delighted to see him measure his fences and treat them with, with some respect. I think he's going to serve up to John Bond big time come Cheltenham. I'm, I'm really pleased with him. Fugitive was a novice chase I put up in the, in the Ultimate Podcast at the start of the season. He won really easily at... Uh, Chepstow mm. loved the soft ground, loved going up in trip. Really good ride by Gavin Sheehan. Be interested to see what the handicapper does to him on on uh, Tuesday. I think anything under nine pound, you'd be happy with. I think he's horse going places. And then probably Vauban yesterday, I thought was really eye catching because the word all week was that they weren't expecting much. They thought he'd come forward. Sharjah was their best chance of getting close to State Man. Um, and I think he, he probably got tired in, the, in the, the last sort of 100 yards. But also you have to take into account Danny Mullins was trying to go up the rail. Paul Town then left it open and then, and then closed the door quite rightly. He had to snatch back, come round. Leperstown is a, a very, very much stiffer track than it looks on the TV. That's not the point you want to be taking back. I think he's going to get much closer to State Man, if not in front of him at Cheltenham. I thought it was a really impressive performance. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think Willie Mullins was really taken by that performance in a, in his first go in that kind of open grade and getting so close to state man. Um, TC, anything that took your eye? Either jumped flat, you obviously had the all-weather action as well to get your teeth into. Yeah, plenty of all-weather action. Um, actually, we're going to go to the jumps though, but it was a flat race, a bumper. Um, and a horse <laughs> from a bumper that really caught my eye, which was Fingal Bridge. He won the bumper at Chepstow on the 27th. I was at Kempton that day, had a few beers, a few shandies, but I was watching the bumper in the... Uh, in the the hospitality area and i was really impressed with his performance he was drawing clear with a well-backed newcomer from evan williams yard who unfortunately stumbled and fell with a furlong to go something you very rarely see i think the horse is okay um but i could be wrong on that matter um but fingerbridge looked like he was getting on top in the closing stages he eventually won by 18 lengths in a bumper that looked to contain plenty of likable types on paper including isaac the zobo from the paul nichols stable who'd won on debut i think this horse is only going to improve for hurdles and especially a step up in trip the testing conditions clearly suited him um, at Chepstow. So Fingal Bridge is definitely a horse to keep on, t- on side, definitely in the short term, but even more so in the longer term. Yeah, no, that's, uh, we always like these bumpers at this time of the year. They can be really informative. I was at Wincanton, which uh, wasn't um, the priority uh, race meeting on uh, Boxing Day, but I loved that card. I thought it was, there was some cracking racing and it's well worth your while just looking back on some of the winners because I think they could be quite informative. Um, James Bowen had a double and I think his two horses are horses to go forward with. Um, Tweed Skirt, the mare, she won the uh, Novices um, Limited Handicap Chase for mares, but I think it could be turned into quite a good race beating kisses for katie for jeremy scott who um horses are running really well and he hit the crossbar on several occasions throughout the course of the day and actually had the winner of the last which was a bumper in golden ace and she's a daughter of golden horn that i think could be well worth following in and what could be quite a decent bumper um just like t was tc was saying um i think that would be one of the more informative bumpers on the card that day. Um, and the other horse is Steeler March, which um, for Nikki Henderson, and again, the second part of the double for James Bowen. And um, that form is going to tie in with a horse that I quite like coming up um, 
a little later on in our previews of the New Year's Day racing. So yes, um, right. Those that's our look back at what was over the um, over the Christmas period. We've got so much we could look at over the course of the next few days. We didn't want to completely dismiss the Chalo Hurdle, which is coming up tomorrow um, on New Year's Eve, because really pleased to see that we've got quite a nice lineup of runners um, at Newbury. This race can sometimes be a bit disappointing, can be a bit overlooked. Um, also, it's, uh, it's an interesting one because you've got these novices, some of them are stepping up um, in trip, um, whether that they will um, at quite an early stage of their career. And it is always, it has been a race that has been dominated by Paul Nichols, who won it with Stage Star last year. And Brave Man's Game, uh, the time, the year before, he's got Hermes Allen um, at the top of the list. But Interestingly, our um, Irish um, represented Joy Machine is in there for Paul Nolan and Gordon Elliott is also sent over Kansas City Star. And in between that, we've got Attica for Nikki Henderson, uh, Vicky Vale for Dan Skelton, uh, Fergal O'Brien's got Crambo and Accidental Agent. In general, um, Ross, it's a good looking race because what's nice to see, obviously you mentioned it, um, potentially a lot of um, options for some of these trainers had to be dashed because of the big freeze. But also there's a good variety of trainers with nice looking novices at this stage of the stage of the season, which is healthy for racing. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it feels a bit of a throwback, doesn't it? That people are prepared to throw their hat into the ring and have a go because the soft options have been taken away. So let's hope. Mm someone takes notice and says oh if we take the soft options away, we might get more competitive racing i mean there's mm -hmm. a bombshell for us all um but yeah really <laughs> really really competitive race um i i think hermes allen was really impressive at cheltenham last time but i think he had nothing more than a canter round i i i think he's a short price and he's a i don't like mm. short price anyway as you know but for me i just would want to see him do it in a race of this nature before I'm sold on him. You know, the form doesn't amount to much. Um, we've all been caught. I mean, just didn't jump, as we've discussed before. <clears throat> was very slow. He's going to need three miles. Music Drive was beaten off a mark of 129 over the Christmas period, only finishing ninth in the per attempts qualifier. Um, you know, even allowing for the fact they might not want to win that. They don't want to be finishing ninth either. So I don't think the form is, is up to all that much. And I think there's loads that have got you know loads more to give i thought attica was interesting they were very convinced after he won at cheltenham that he'll improve for a step up and trip mm. but i came down on two that i'd want to take 25 to one about um to run into a place and they've both got upsides they can improve uh further still jamie snowden you wear it well he's only won two moderate contests around worcester and hexham he's done it really nicely each time um was a bit keen the last time but if he can relax in a big field, and I think there'll be enough pace on, um, I think he's interesting. He's a half-brother to Prince Cafe and Shiprani, um, both much, much better when they went up in trip, uh, and he gets £7. So his rating gives it him to do. The £7 takes him a little bit closer, and if he improves his step up in trip, I think he can go well. Gavin Sheehan's riding particularly well at the moment. Um, and then the other one is the uh, David Pike train, Thomas Moore, who won at Wincanton last time in one of the most bizarre races you'll ever see, I think the whole race just fell apart but he did look relentless he's won over two miles seven previously i think he might be one of these ones that hassles up hermes allen early um he'll definitely stay going the long straight at newbury should suit um i just thought he was interesting at a big price uh, having won two hurdles quite nicely 
Yeah, okay. Really intriguing types, those. I completely agree with you about Hermes Allen. Uh, that day at Cheltenham, he just went along on his own and, and did his own fractions out in front. There wasn't a huge amount of pace and he just controlled the race. And I, as you say, it hasn't, I don't think it was the best of uh, graded races at Cheltenham. It never normally is, really. It's uh, very early on in the season. I just don't think he'll have his own way out in front here. It's a, a more of a competitive race. TC, do you agree? No, absolutely not. And you know I don't, because you knew my selection coming into this one. Um, no, right, as we've touched on, there's a bigger field than anticipated. Usually, we in the last 10 years, we've averaged 5.9 runners in this race. There's 14 this year. Maybe they don't feel her, fear Hermes Allen, or maybe a lot of trainers just think they've got a decent novice on their hands. I think this, horse, this race is all about Hermes Allen. Yes, Ross has just made a, a case for a couple of big outsiders. We've also got Vicky Vale, who bolted up last time. Crambo's unbeaten. Attica represents Altior connections. Joya Mashan was impressive at Fairy House last time. But you have to run to a mark of around 150 to win the Cello. As a general rule, no horse in this race has shown enough ability to suggest they're capable yet of performing to that level, aside from Hermes Allen, who recorded an RPR of 142 at Cheltenham. That was a £15 step up on his previous effort, his rules debut. And let's not forget, this horse really impressed in a point-to-point -point was purchased for 350 k Quite expensive for a Paul Nichols horse, I have to admit. Um, and he's not done anything wrong so far under rules. Now, I know he's a short price and value hunters, look, I wouldn't put you off going for something at bigger, uh, bigger odds like Ross has done there, a couple of big outsiders, if you're looking for the each way play. But Hermes Allen jumps perfectly. He reminds me very much of Brave Man's Game actually in this race two years ago. Stage star won it last year in a weak heat. But Paul Nichols has won twice in the last two years. He always runs his best novice hurdler in this race then sends him to the Ballymore. Maybe he's not the best uh, Ballymore prospect in the world right now, but he's the best horse coming into the Chalo, and I would be disappointed if he didn't beat this, beat this build. Okay. You say that Paul Nichols doesn't spend a lot of money. 370000 on Brave Man's Game, 350 on this horse. They, hey, look what Brave Man's Game done. Yeah, but precisely. Brave Man's Game won this race two years ago. Um, potentially, he's in the same sort of league at this stage as Brave Man's Game. Um, but I do, I'm, I'm with Ross here. I think that this race is fascinating because there's more contenders. They probably had quite an easy time the last couple of years. Paul Nichols is good things in this race. I think that's an inflated mark, um, 100 uh, RPR of 142, and even an official rating of 142 based on the runs that we've seen. Two of them under rules and both of them, one of them in a, in a five-runner race at Stratford and that race at Cheltenham, I just, I don't buy into happy to get egg in my face at, at some stage um but i think attica is a, is a better value price um in around nine ten to one yes his rpr or his rating is much lower but i was really impressed by how he dictated the race at Cheltenham last time and i'm pleased to see him stepping up and trip he's bred to want further um nikki henderson's horses and these novices at, at, at this stage are in are in really good heart um there's going to be a lot of rain there's a huge i'm not too far away from newbury here um, and I do um, think that you'll want a horse that stays really well. Um, Hermes Allen has been seen on quite decent ground recently. Um, he did win. He he was he was beaten on soft ground in his point to point earlier on in his career. And I just think that it's gonna it might turn into a bit of a slog. It is it has been raining 
a lot over the last 24 hours. So interesting Chalo hurdle um, to look forward to um, tomorrow. Um, that's the 31st of December, the final day of 2022. But we're going to move on to more pressing matters because we've got extremely competitive racing on the 1st of January 2023. I can't believe I'm saying that. Um, and we're going to look at Cheltenham. The 155, um, as customary, the handicap chase run over two mile, four and a half furlongs um, will take place. And uh, we've got a really good feel to this race. It took me quite a while to come down on one on, on, on my selection. I thought that this was a race where you can make a case for a lot of them. Um, Harry and Dan Skelton are represented by the favourite Midnight River and uh, four to one you can get for him at the moment. Il Rodoto, five to one. Brave Siaska and Shake Him Up Harry, eight, as well as Stolen Silver, eight to one. Warlord 10 to 1, Happy Go Lucky 11, 16 to 1, 4, Coconut Splash, Demachine, Ed Underhoo, and Fantastic Lady, and 16 to 1 bar those. I mean, the Skeletons, that they've been absolutely farming these kind of races over the course of this first half of the season. And I think they'd be pleased, Ross, to have seen four winners on the 28th of December. It might have made up for a bit of a slight, bit of a frustrating boxing day on the 27th. Um, obviously, Lacta Constance, one of the horses you were looking forward to seeing, make that blunder in the way with Novice's Chase. That was frustrating. Um, but do they hold the key here for this race? Because there's plenty going for Midnight River. It's got plenty going for them. I think they've been very in and out over the Christmas period. They've either run mm. really well or they've run absolutely stinking. Um, like you say, Lacta Constance, unseated, but he wasn't going anywhere near as well as you'd have expected him to go. Um, Chamblou didn't raise a gallop. Uh, just wonder that they're not all perhaps 100%. So that's straight away enough reason for me to to, to pass him over. I don't think he's got stacks in hand off his mark anyway. Uh, two I came down on is, one is a horse I just absolutely love. Um, I've followed him for a long time, and that's the machine from Kerry Lee. Mm -hmm. He was a really smart novice chaser two seasons ago. Uh, finished four lengths behind, remastered in the Reynolds Town when I don't think he stayed the three-mile trip. Um, dropped back and then did very well that season and then just disappeared last season, just never ran a race at all until having a wind up late in the season, uh, bounced back in May and won a really competitive uh, chase round uh, Utoxeter, beat some decent horses in that. Uh, his return run at Newbury was was really good pumped into to Zanza who I don't I mean I don't think anything would have beaten Zanza on on that day um as we've discussed Form Zanza, hasn't been frank though Zanza ran no race <laughs> at all at Weatherby but it's Weatherby it's not Newbury um you know so I, I think you know you can put a line through through that form Zanza was really impressive on that occasion uh the machine did nothing wrong in behind him was two lengths in front of the third horse has had his mark unchanged mm. which if you took Zanza out that race, there's no way the handicapper was going to leave the machine on 140. So I think that's a upside. He'll love the ground. I have a slight concern over the track for him, and he's been kept mm. largely on on flat tracks. But they have been a mixture of flat tracks, you know, galloping tracks and sharp tracks, and he seems to cope. Ascot has a little bit of undulation, but nowhere near as much as Cheltenham. So that's a slight concern. Kerry Lee is very, very good at these handicaps at, at, at Cheltenham. Um, so I'm really keen on him. And then the the other one I came down on was Warlord, who I tipped for a similar race, um, the December Gold Cup that was uh, frozen off. Um, so I won't go over him too much. I think he, what we should say actually is that the novice chased him last year. I didn't think they were up to much, but Edward, Edward Stone and Blue Lord are 
maybe suggesting otherwise. You know, they've they've mm. probably stepped forwards, but suggests that the form wasn't perhaps as bad as we thought last year. Um, he stayed on behind Edmistone in the arc, or, um, having got outpaced down the hill, um, and was then beaten behind Miller's Bank um, over this trip at Aintree, when perhaps didn't run to his mark, having just come out of Cheltenham. His return run was disappointing in the Heldon Gold Cup at Exeter. Um, I'll forgive that. I thought, um, you know, he got outpaced at a crucial time. I think he'll definitely love this track. I think he'll love the trip. Um, and I think off a mark of 148, he's still got got room to work with. I think he's a smart horse and uh, I expect him to improve for this trip and track. Yeah, Warlord and um, the Tizard team haven't haven't had a bad old Christmas period, and uh, yeah, he put plenty of go- plenty going for him. Demachine, I, I was fine. I found it difficult not to put him up as well. I love the booking of Jonathan Burt back on board um, as well. And from a trends perspective, looking at this, like tick so many boxes. And I know TC, you love a trend, but ten of the last ten winners aged between seven and nine tick for him. Uh, season form, 10 out of 10 winners had at least two runs that season, tick for him. And eight out of 10 winners were rated 140 or higher, tick for him. But the one thing, as you said, Ross, uh, the track was not yet run at the track, so it was a complete unknown. Um, so that was just the slight negative I had for him. But there was a lot of these sort of going through the trends, um, seeing what, seeing essentially if they come into this race at that sort of prime. But it's really the Paddy Power Gold Cup form that will be tested, isn't it? The third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth from that race all coming into this. Um, and um, Midnight River, obviously the best of that bunch. But ahead of all of them, French Dynamite ran well up to a point in the Savills chase, I thought. Is that piece of form crucial to you, TC? Yeah, I think it's the best piece of form uh, coming into this race. I understand Ross's case for Warlord, by the way. He was the last off my shortlist, dropping down into handicap company. But after facing loads of uh, graded races, I think he's got a good chance. But I sided with two horses from the Paddy Power Gold Cup chase. Number one is Il Rodotto, unsurprisingly to many of the regular listeners and to both of you, I'm sure, because he was my horse to follow in the Ultimate Jumps preview podcast earlier this season. thought he ran really well in a couple of races last year, especially at the Cheltenham Festival, where the ground just completely went against him. On a seasonal reappearance, first time up off a wind uh, surgery and a long layoff, uh, he ran a good fourth uh, in that Gold Cup that we just touched on there. Um, I thought he was travelling into the home straight like the best horse. Potentially kind of blew up between the second and the last, bungled the last as well, but he did keep up on the hill, uh, which I think was a big positive for him. He's had 50 days off since, which will keep him fresh. and We know he goes well fresh. Cheltenham is absolutely perfect. And given Paul Nichols tends to give uh, his uh, influenza jabs to his horses in January, the fact that this race is now coming at the start of the month and just before the jabs, I think this is going to be his gold cup in effect because going into Cheltenham, I think they're a better Irish uh, opposition. You're going to get a stronger English opposition as well. I think this is the race that you want to be backing Il Rodotto. And I know he's a shortish price, but a mark of 139. I don't understand how the handicapper dropped him a pound for that. Mm. I think it was a really respectable performance. Um, and he's definitely well treated, despite not ticking many of the trends. And the other horse I'm, I'm keen to back is Stolen Silver, who also ran in that Gold Cup. He was sent a four to one favourite. He unseated Santos and Davis. Generally a very good jumper, though. I just think he was in behind horses. The pace quickened. He was unsighted um, and unfortunately brushed through the top and made a bad mistake. Coming into this race, Stolen Silver again. This could be his Gold Cup. Cheltenham is ideal for him. He's already won over course and distance. I think he's well treated. And don't forget the fact this horse beat Edward Stone in the Novice Hurdle back in 2020. He has loads of talent. 
he's rated quite high. He's got a, a reasonable weight, but at the same time, he's well capable of, of running in graded races. Um, so I think Stolen Silver is interesting at a slightly bigger price, but Irodotto will be my main play. Okay, Irodotto 5-1. to one. I assume you wouldn't want it to go any shorter than that. Um, and Stolen Silver 8-1 to one, uh, for you there. Um, in a race where they're evenly matched based on prices as well. Um, Demachine, I should mention, 16-1 to one, uh, for, for Ross and Warlord 10-1 to one, um, as it stands. Um, we're all kind of, I think, I think the base of the fact that we've all got different sections that you can make a case for a lot of these. Um, I'm going to quickly give you happy go lucky at 11 to one. Yes. There's a lot of good form from the, that Paddy Bauer gold cup, but I don't think there's anything to put down too negatively against the rehearsal handicap chase form from Newcastle where um, happy go lucky was just behind into overdrive um, who obviously has gone on and uh, won himself on Boxing Day in the role of Merrick and looks like a really progressive type. And Lompresse as well, who obviously unseated um, at the last uh, in the King George, but and even though he was jumping left, he ran, he was going to be right, he was going to finish off quite a solid race regardless. And, you know, we know how good he is. And happy-go-lucky to run the way he did after such a long layoff. Um, yeah, he is quite high in the handicap, but I think he's still a class act. Um, he's a horse that I followed massively when he was uh, um, last seen for the full season back in 2021. Um, and um, I think that he possibly gone up a pound for that last run um, but I just think that he's, he's a horse that loves it around Cheltenham and he'll be seen to really good effect back there um, and I'm happy for him at a good each way price there at 11 to 1. The other one that I'm going to side with and I, I couldn't pick between Demachine and Coconut Splash but I just fell down on Coconut Splash because he's got a lot of the same um, attributes that uh, Demachine I thought had he's a he's a he's a very solid likable horse he's had his ups and downs he's clearly been fragile I think that he ran a, a really good race again behind another horse that I like into overdrive last time out at Weatherby um, he's got a really nice racing weight here of 10-5 and a, a horse that was was once seen um, as a real real live contender and things like the Grand Nationals and uh, he uh, he's he's a horse that I think Evan Williams has just just been able to figure out and sort out. And I think that maybe they might just have him back to slightly near his best. And I don't think he should be out of this at 16 to one. Um, so that is um, what looks to be one of the, our best, most fascinating um, handicaps on the day at Cheltenham. But there's plenty of good racing in and outside of just Cheltenham. Um, we've got, uh, as I said earlier, it's like Boxing Day. It's another another, another treat for us. Um, we're going to hear from Ross and TC from their naps. Um, Ross, I'll start with you first because you were on a bit of a roll and we like to hope it's going to continue into this New Year's period, please. Let's hope so. Uh, the nap comes in the 120 at Cheltenham. The Ollie Murphy trained Thunder Rock. He's looked much, much better over chase fences than he has over hurdles. A really good example of a horse. He's jumping, carrying it to a much higher mark. Um, he's won over two mile on good ground, uh, up to two mile three at Ascot last time on slightly softer ground and just looked really solid. Solo Frank that form to some degree uh, at Kempton over the Christmas period. And he's up against Mon Morel, who... I'd be surprised if the track suits doesn't look like a particularly balanced horse to me. He's definitely going to want every drop of rain that's going to fall because the ground is currently described as good at Cheltenham at the moment. There is rain forecast for Saturday, but not all that much. Um, Mon Morale is the favourite. I think the market's got this the wrong way around. Uh, even on ratings, Thunder Rock is, is £2 higher than him. Uh, and the fact he's not favourite means he's a decent price. So I think he'll win that. 
and then uh, my next best unusually comes in the bumper and a juvenile bumper at that the 340 at Cheltenham but dancing in Brazil really caught my eye last time at Huntingdon traveled very well through the race and then as uh, Tom Cannon came to make his move he went to switch out and the horse that he was tracking drifted out he went to switch in and the horse he was tracking drifted in he had to snatch a three-year-old around quite a little bit before he could get him out and get him running didn't make any difference this horse took off one very easily um this stiffer track is going to suit he's by a cycle blue brazil um and i mean mm. just this christmas period alone blue brazil has had good land who won yesterday blue your lord in the pocket billy boy blue royal pagai and then a fairly novice, uh, promising hurdler called constitution hill he's the sire to follow at the moment from a good family of uh, a mare called horror who had lisp and thomas campbell who were decent horse themselves I think this dancing in Brazil looks like a really smart prospect um, with Alan King trains on the flat. I quite like that angle training on the flat, having three year old bumper runners. I think there might be a bit of a advantage there. I'd be disappointed if he doesn't go very close in the last race on New Year's Day. OK, thank you, Ross. Um, we got Nap Thunder Rock um, and the next best dancing in Brazil. OK, we'll head over to TC now for your two selections. Yeah, so my nap uh, comes on the flat, surprisingly. Uh, the 2.16 at Southall on New Year's Day, a horse called Mayfair Gold. She's a filly. She's only had four starts, also trained by Alan King. Um, first time up, she bumped into subsequent Group 1 Sun Chariot runner-up Laurel in a, in a maiden at uh, Kempton that's thrown up four subsequent winners. It was a really good heat. She ran seventh, but, you know, she was facing better opposition. Next time, she finished second to a Godolphin filly, who they consider pretty good, who bumped into an absolute machine trained by the Crisfords last time. Go search that horse up. I won't give you the name just because I want to back it next time up. Uh, her final start in Maiden Company came on December the 1st at Chelmsford. Again, she filled the runner-up berth, this time behind a horse called Capital Theory, trained by the Johnstons. Capital Theory's won both subsequent outings. Absolutely bolted up at Chelmsford, but bolted up twice since. And it's going to be rated in the high 80s, I imagine, after winning just three days ago. And then finally, last time, moved into Handicap Company. Again, Mayfair Gold second. Three seconds in a row, so... People would look at that and think, well, maybe she doesn't have the characteristics or she doesn't have the guts to win a race. But she's been bumping into good horses last time off a mark of 66. She ran into a horse trained by David O'Mara, owned by the Horse Watchers, completing a double and was only beating half the length by the horse Star Sheba at Lingfield. I thought it was another very good effort. The handicappers put her up one pound, which is very fair. She had to go through a really tight gap that day. Only fourth start. Inexperienced horses sometimes shirk away from that kind of uh, a challenge that represents uh, they need to put their guts and determination to go through a tiny gap and she did it she just came up uh, second best this looks an easier task not 100% sure that Southall will suit her but she's definitely got talent she's much better than her mark and the next best I'm kind of cheating here Jess because I was looking at New Year's Day there wasn't too many horses that I fancied aside from the races that we've covered so I thought why not New Year's Eve and it's also a bumper the 320 at Warwick uh, a horse called Katate Dory now I restarted my tracker at the start of this jump season thinking that I've got some old horses in there that I didn't really want to follow going forward. I was getting the emails and, you know, you know, when you get the emails for tracking, you're just like, ah, actually, I don't really want to back that horse. So I restarted it. I thought I'm going to stick to just bumper horses and novice hurdlers with the idea of having this tracker for a longer term. I only got two horses in there so far and could take Dory as one. First time up, was sent off 11 to 4 favourite in a listed bumper at Cheltenham's November meeting. Got outpaced coming down the hill and turning in. Found himself six lengths behind the leaders, but really stayed on the hill, up the hill really nicely. 
Uh, he's shaped like a horse who's only going to get better for a longer trip in time. He's running over two miles here at Warwick, but it's an easier contest. And the fact that there's an unbeaten Henry Daly trainee at the top of the market, at the top of the weight, sorry, giving weight away, I think will keep Katate Story's price um, reasonably respectable. I'm going to be having a, a decent-sized wager on him on New Year's Eve. Oh, exciting. OK, Keto Dory and Mayfair Gold with the um, J- Japanese superstar Holly Doyle back over from uh, her uh, adventures over there. And she's back in action um, at Lingfield and in Southall, and she'll be on board Mayfair Gold. So um, exciting uh, selections uh, to keep you interested on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day from TC. We thank you for that. Um, I've got a couple for you. They're back at Cheltenham. Um, one of them is in the 305, the three-mile handicap hurdle, a Buffalo soldier. Um, he's up six pounds from his win at Newbury, um, where he gave Warren Great Tricks a real kick that day. Um, he has started uh, the season slow enough, but then he's really picked up in November. And the last few days, he's just been absolutely flying. Um, I saw, I've seen three winners over the course of two days from just a handful of runners. Um, he's actually been teaming up with James Bowen very um, successfully. And James Bowen, I could, I'm trying to work it out, and probably someone cleverer than me can, but I think um, the ride on a Buffalo Soldier that James Bowen gave was one of the first rides he's he's had for Warren Great Tricks, and that was obviously a winning one. James Bowen is booked down to ride um, Call Me Lord for his boss, Nicky Henderson, but he's got Brendan Powell stepping in, which is no mean feat at all. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, the form has been frank. Steeler March, I saw winning at Wincanton very impressively. Um, he's a horse on the up and a Buffalo soldier um, stayed on really strongly to beat him that time. Um, he's obviously up in, in grade just slightly. This is a good race, this. Um, but I think that he's uh, he's still probably on the, just on the right side of the handicapper because there are horses in here like Call Me Lord, Dolphin Square um, and Thomas Darby who are just on terribly handicapped at this stage so it's just sort of helping him um in this race so i'm looking forward to seeing a buffalo soldier um and my final selection is napper's hill in the rail kill hurdle not a race i normally like to bet in um it's always a bit of a tricky one you can find slight rogues in here um running over this two mile and a half, four and a half furlong race Mary's rock is in here for nikki henderson um and nico de boinville she's in against um she's been racing predominantly against mares so she's stepping outside of that company she might just find it a little harder her jumping wasn't perfect for me last time and i think she might struggle here um against um some likable types and napper's hill has been nothing but improving this season for paul Nichols. um he'll want the ground to not get any worse than good which it is at the moment potentially they could be getting more rain but it doesn't seem like Cheltenham um, gets any if it is it just sort of manages to dry up quite quickly so I'll be intrigued to see if if the rain that they've got um, uh, in the weather forecast does materialize because um, if it doesn't Napa's Hill is the one that I like in this race so uh, those are two more from Cheltenham and what's a really really busy day Um, we hope that we've given you plenty to look forward to over the next uh, couple of days a reminder that new SBK customers can get £30 in free bets by betting £10 T's and C's always apply a big thank you to everyone for listening to us throughout the course of 2022 um hopefully we've uh, given you a few winners over the course of this year uh, we will be back for 2023 so remember to subscribe so you've got us to look forward to um we can be your new year's resolution maybe to listen to us a little bit more when you subscribe to our channel and you won't be forgetting we're also on youtube and we've got plenty of podcast content there and there's our SBK ambassador content as well and there are blogs that you can read from TC and Ross Miller so a happy new year to you all happy new year to you Tom 
I'm Taros and we'll see you next year.